Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're here today. We've got a lot to get to. Good, bad, and crazy martinis. All of it brought to you by Quip Electric Toothbrushes. Jim, I guess it's the first snowfall in the region. I just watched the local news. They say uh, the roads might, might be uh, beyond wet by the time it's all done. There might be a little bit of snow. The government's closing early. The schools are closing early. Everybody get your bread, eggs, milk, and toilet paper. Oh, the humanity. You know, late last night, well, not that late last night, you know, at appropriate bedtime, my younger son, I go to tuck him in and he says, Daddy, we're going to have, we're, we're going to get off school tomorrow. I'm like, no, you're not. It's supposed to be a dusting. It's not going to come late. And he's like, I know, you know, he's heard me rant about this. He says, Daddy, I know how Fairfax County operates. They're not going to be able to start the buses and they're going to cancel school tomorrow. And uh, I, I'm like, no, no, okay, you know, don't get your hopes up, kiddo, you know. So, you know, we are this morning. My son gets uh, allergy shots. We're going to get the allergy shots. And all of a sudden, the text comes through. Fairfax County Public Schools will be closing two hours early today to deal with the uh, impending snowfall. And he's like, Daddy, I told you so. And I, I should not <laughs> doubt my son. He knew it. He saw it coming. Exactly. Well, very prescient on his part. And see, that's a, that's a believable uh, story about your child from a, a political reporter. Much different than the ones who say, my child asked me the morning after Trump's election, what is wrong with America and will we ever be good again? You know, things like that. My three-year-old asked me that. No. There you go. Yes. You're... <laughs> Daddy, are you looking back at the constitutional Marbury versus Madison case? <laughs> all right. Let's go on to our good martini now. It's kind of a double-barreled uh, good martini. First of all, it's nice that we finally have a senior administration official who's actually speaking in detail about the strike. Yes, the president did it. Uh, the day after the strike from down at Mar-a-Lago. Mike Pompeo did it uh, this morning and uh, talked about the justification for it, the thinking that went into the timing of it. Uh, Here's just a clip of uh, what he had to say. Not only had Soleimani done all of the things that we have recounted, right, hundreds of thousands, a massacre in Syria, uh, enormous destruction of countries like Lebanon and Iraq where they've denied them sovereignty and the, the Iranians have really denied people in those two countries what it is they want, right? Sovereignty, independence, and freedom. This is all Soleimani's handiwork. Uh, And then we'd watch as he was continuing the terror campaign in the region. Uh, We know what happened uh, at the end of last year in December, ultimately leading to the death of an American. So if you're looking for imminence, you needn't look no further than the days that led up to the strike that was taken against Soleimani. So he says uh, the right thing was done here. And Jim, we also have more evidence today of what you were saying on Monday's edition of the Three Martini Lunch. And that's that Iran doesn't really have any friends, at least not any good friends uh, that are willing to uh, do anything about this other than uh, release some strongly worded statements. We've got uh, Sergei Lavrov uh, saying that uh, he expressed his condolences over the killing and uh, the Chinese are very worried about norms uh, being violated here. But uh, absolutely nobody's uh, ready to be sending weapons or certainly any manpower in the direction of Iran in case this would actually escalate. Yeah, um, I, I said this, kind of alluded to this yesterday, and I really feel like this is something that's worth underlining. I'm already seeing op-ed columns in places like CNN and the Washington Post saying, America and Trump are dangerously isolated on the world stage. And one of the things they're citing are these statements from the Russian government and the Chinese government. First of all, 
do you think the Russian government and the Chinese government were going to hand out attaboys for whacking Soleimani? <laughs> what kind of what kind of reaction did you think you were going to get from them? But the second thing is, is that look, this is you know this kind of standard stuff of you know we object to this American imperialism, blah blah blah. Uh, you know, China's very big on beating the drum about national sovereignty. Uh, maybe their main objection to us killing Soleimani is it just isn't on a big enough scale for the state that's running concentration camps and such like that. Um, don't watch what countries say. None of this stuff really matters. None of this stuff really carries any weight or has any worth. Look at what they do. And it, there's been a, a staunch silence in what these go- other foreign governments are willing to do about this. Yes, you know, Europe is going to be wringing its hands and saying, oh my goodness, this, this derails the Iran deal and we were so close and, ah, uh, you know. But in the end, you know, no one's talking about sanctions on the U.S. No one's talking about any, you know, ser- serious, substantive policy retaliations against the United States. If anything, there's this, ah, you know, isn't this, this is going to, you know, worsen tensions in the regions. Tisk, tisk. Look, all of them have to say this, basically. They can't say, yes, America. If they do too much of this, it sounds like they're basically signing off on Team America, the uh, movie from, you know, (laughs) Trey Parker and Matt Stone. These countries have to say they don't like it. But in deep down, particularly in the Middle East, you do, we deal with governments that publicly say they support something when, in fact, they oppose it. I think you could say the, the Saudi government has always sounded very pro-U.S., but whether the Saudi royal family actually is pro-U.S. is another story. Pakistan's government probably applies there. And there are quite a few countries in the region that are actually uh, may privately send, you know, all right, America, good for you. We support this. But publicly, for public consumption, they, they can't be seen as being too close to the United States. And thus, they offer these sorts of pro, pro forma statements of disapproval and denunciations and stuff like that. Um, a lot of people are being totally suckered on kind of the, the PR campaign, the effort to, you know, uh, of this. Look at the substance. Look at what policies are changing in these countries. And you'll see nobody's really willing to lift a finger to help the Iranians in this situation. Jim, let's talk about uh, Quip Electric Toothbrushes for a moment here. It's the start of the new year. We're almost a week into it. This is the seventh day of the year, after all. Uh, And hopefully your New Year's resolutions are still holding up. Your diet, your commitment to go to the gym, whatever it is. Uh, But uh, getting into the habit of great oral health skills could not be a better New Year's resolution. And that's where Quip comes in. Quip, of course, makes uh, the Quip Electric Toothbrush. And they want you to know the one single discovery that matters the most for your dental care, and that's good habits. And if you have the good habits, you're good to go because uh, they provide everything else. A fantastic toothbrush, the holder, which declutters your vanity and your sink. And uh, it's even got one for kids as well as adults. So Quip Electric Toothbrushes can help establish those great brushing habits. And that means brushing for two minutes a day, twice a day, and flossing regularly regardless of the brand of floss you use. And Quip makes all of this simple, starting with an electric toothbrush, refillable floss, and anti-cavity toothpaste. Quip's electric brush has sensitive sonic vibrations with a built-in timer and 30-second pulses to guide a full and even clean. The Quip floss dispenser comes with pre-marked string to help you use just enough, not too much, not too little. Quip delivers a fresh brush head, floss, and toothpaste refills to your door every three months with free shipping so that your routine is always right. You can join more than 3 million healthy mouths and get Quip today, starting at just $25. Then if you go to getquip.com slash martini right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash martini. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash martini. Quip. 
the Good Habits Company. All right, Jim, let's uh, continue on the Middle East. And uh, yesterday, we got a pretty alarming uh, report out uh, right around the time that we recorded, actually slightly afterwards, or else we probably would have talked about this yesterday. And that's that in the wake of the Iraqi parliament uh, essentially saying it's time for the U.S. to go home, apparently the U.S. Army was saying, all right, fine, we're going to leave. We're going to withdraw from Iraq. Uh, And then later in the day, we got the, uh, oh, never mind. That wasn't actually what we meant, and that wasn't actually supposed to go public. So what actually happened? Well, uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, told reporters at the Pentagon what happened yesterday. And let's just say it's pretty embarrassing. Here's CNN Pentagon reporter Barbara Starr. Uh, The letter, he says, quote, that letter is a draft. It was a mistake. It was unsigned. It should not have been released. Poorly worded implies withdrawal. That is not what is happening. So this letter talked about repositioning some forces. That has been going on. That is very well known, very well understood. But the letter also goes on to say to prepare uh, for, quote, onward movement. General Milley, adamant, that is a mistake. The letter had, as a draft had been uh, sent to some Iraqis and apparently leaked or sent to the media from somewhere in this chain of events. Milley, very concerned about the international implications So he wants to emphasize it's not true that troops are leaving. Jim, if the Iraqis or somebody else leaked this, that's obviously not as embarrassing. But uh, the fact that you were already circulating a letter that wasn't true and was poorly worded is not a good first step either. So uh, what do we make of this situation? Yeah, I mean, even in that best case scenario, oh, the Iraqis uh, leaked it. Okay, why did you send it then if it didn't represent the the philosophy? And does anybody in this whole chain of command understand the potential consequences? If you say, yes, we are leaving the region, and then a couple minutes later you have to say, oh, never mind. By the way, my understanding is this was originally first broken by Iranian television. So your first thought would be, ah, this is crazy Iranian propaganda. They say that we're running away with our tail between our legs and, and, you know, we're terrified of their, no, no, it turns out we actually, you know, somebody in our government sent this letter to the Iraqis. What I talked about in that previous martini, there are probably a lot of Iraqi politicians, but you know, that vote that was happening earlier in the week, not only was it non-binding, um, the Kurds boycotted it and a whole bunch of the Sunni groups boycotted it. So the only people who are left standing were the Shia groups that wanted to see the United States. And even if they didn't want the United States to do it, the, Iranian, the Iranian-backed Shia militias were saying, if you don't vote for this, we will kill you, right? You thought lobbyists were tough in the United States. Um, <laughs> this is, so it's one of those things where that, that vote should not be a, a drastic over Now, the great irony, of course, is that there are many Americans who, who heard that, like, hey, you guys want us out? We'd be happy to leave. A couple of people even kind of wondered, wait a minute, was this genuine three-level chess on the part of the, pre- the part of the president taking action that takes out an American enemy who's got a lot of U.S. blood on his hands, but it's created such a reaction in Iraq that we have no choice but to leave to basically say, okay, we're bringing all the troops home. Iraq, you take care of this yourself. The situation in the Middle East is complicated, but it is safe to say there are a whole bunch of Iraqis who don't like the idea of becoming a client state of Iran or becoming a de facto colony of Iran where Iran actually calls the shots in the Iranian government and the Iranian government has effectively asked for permission from the, uh, the Iraqi government has to ask permission from Tehran if they want to do something. Uh, there may even be some Iraqi Shias who don't like that arrangement, who basically have, wait a second, wait a second, I don't want to uh, be in a mother may I situation, bulla may I, I suppose. Would be <laughs> it's complicated. There are probably a lot of Iraqis who'd like to pose and say, ah, the Americans ought to leave, but are secretly hoping that we don't because they like, one, it's, you know, if God forbid ISIS comes back and is a significant force, it's good to have U.S. air power around. 
uh, continue training their military. There are a bunch of advantages to having Americans in the neighborhood in a very rough uh, uh, region of the world. So there's probably some grand contradictions in Iraqi thinking here. Nonetheless, we should be able, just because they're contradictory and muddled in their thinking doesn't mean that we should be contradictory and muddled in our statements. And that is exactly what happened yesterday. It was an enormous embarrassment. Hopefully it all passes, but um, boy, just not what the moment calls for. This is, this, this, is the, this is the big time, guys. This is the geopolitical Super Bowl. You don't want to be fumbling, so to speak, at a time like this. Yeah, if you had to change some facts in a statement, uh, oh, we meant to say that this program was starting on Thursday, but it's actually Friday or Monday or whatever. It's not, oh, yeah, we're not actually going to leave. You could probably argue there is a broad consensus amongst Americans and Iraqis that we would like to leave Iraq eventually. Sure. The question is, how do you define eventually? Is that a three-month span? Is that a six-month span? A year? Multiple years? Do we want to have some sort of you know lingering military presence, but a standard one like we have in some other countries? I, you know, nobody complains about U.S. troops being in Germany or in Japan or in South Korea or in any one of these places all around the world where you have a military presence. It's only when they're under fire that people have an objection to this. If we can get a pacified Iraq where our troops there are not under fire, you could have you know Bagram Air Base uh, over in Afghanistan, or you could have a, a you know continued U.S. military presence in the Green Zone in a way that wouldn't be upsetting to everyone. But uh, we apparently are still a long ways away from that. Great. All right, let's move on to our crazy martini now, Jim. And these all all have the Iranian theme going through them because uh, the Democrats are watching this, as you know, and and as we talked about in the wake of the the strike on Soleimani, that uh, the Democrats were not happy for a variety of reasons. Uh, They thought it was uh, escalating the situation. Uh, Some believe Trump didn't have the authority. Some believe Trump had to consult with Congress. Uh, on and on and on. But uh, there's been very little uh, praise uh, from any Democrats other than Kirsten Sinema and maybe a couple of others uh, in the past several days. But uh, Ro Khanna is a congressman from California. And Jim, when impeachment's on the mind, the only thing you're going to think about is impeachment. So he says it's time for uh, Congress to do what Nancy Pelosi wants to do here and uh, tighten up the War Powers Act. And uh, that means if Trump were to ever strike Iran again, it's another impeachable offense. Here he is on MSNBC. Well, it's not just a message. Uh, He would be, again, violating the Constitution by disregarding Congress. And it's uh, illegal. It's frankly another impeachable offense for him to continue uh, an escalation without uh, Congress's authorization. And even Hallie Jackson is, uh, hey, are you saying what I think you're saying? Are you suggesting that if the president did not abide by a resolution, if it were to be passed by the House, uh, by Congress, that you would potentially add that to articles of impeachment against him? How serious are those discussions happening with your colleagues? It's definitely on the table. I mean, there is no greater offense, in my view, than sending Hmm. American troops to war without congressional authorization. So, first of all, there's no troops uh, yet here, Jim. It was a drone strike. But uh, what do you make of uh, the Democrats, who had no problem with uh, Captain Drone Strike for eight years, uh, now having a big problem with Trump executing such a move? Yeah. I mean, was it, was it 600 or so in, in a whole bunch of different countries? And all, you know. um, let's recall that uh, I wrote about this in today's Morning Jolt, that uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, when asked about this in the 2012 campaign, believed that the Obama kill list was a conspiracy theory. She, she was asked about it. She clearly had no idea about the existence. This has been reported in the New York Times. This was, this was not some you know, nutty thing. She believed that the people asking her about it were nutty conspiracy theory types and there was nothing to it. This is how little attention Congress was paying, paying to our drone policy back in the, the early term of the, uh, the first term of the Obama administration. Um, 
beyond that, and I wrote this in the corner yesterday, just how much of a deterrent do you think impeachment is during a stalemate about sending the current two articles of impeachment over to the Senate? Uh, lots of folks responded with gifts from um, Monty Python, or I'm reminded of Robin Williams' assessment of the, uh, the police in Britain, who generally at that time didn't carry handguns. Stop, or I'll say, stop again. You know, uh, we, you know, you better stop that. You better not do that, or we'll impeach you, just like we impeached you last month, and it clearly has had absolutely no deterrent effect on your behavior whatsoever. This is why impeachment, without some sort of bipartisan buy-in, unless you can get traditional allies of the president to back away and say, whoa, 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 Mr. President, you really made a mistake here. You really did something you shouldn't do, and I will join in on this. Without that, impeachment just turns into a super censure because we know the president's not going to get removed. And if it at least you know, had been a, a, you know, if you could have gotten goodness, you know, remember the, the Clinton ones got five uh, Democratic votes. If you could have at least gotten some, if, if some sort of Republican signal to say, Mr. President, you shouldn't have said what you said on the, the call to Ukraine. You sounded, you know, looked like, sounded like you were strong arming him. You had no constitutional authority to hold up this funding. Don't do that. If you do this again, you're getting removed. You know, that, that would at least carry some weight. There was none of that. So at this point, the House can do an impeachment article every month. And I shouldn't say that too loud because maybe they will. <laughs> but at the end, it's not going to do anything. Because ultimately, American politics has been consumed by one question pretty much since mid-2015 when Trump came down the escalator. Should Donald Trump be president of the United States? There was a, we had an intense, furious debate throughout 2015, 2016. The American people made their decision. A chunk of the country never accepted this. A chunk of the country believed that the election had to be stolen, that Russia had hacked the election, that there had been some sort of cheating. Uh, you saw Louise mention her crazy ideas, but the marshal of the Supreme Court is going to kick down the door with a SWAT team and arrest everybody. And Steve Bannon was going to get executed. And all, you know, <laughs> there were, it, it really broke some people. And now, we, you know, yes, as soon as you know, Democrats won control of the House in 2018, they have the power to impeach the president. And they're clearly they've decided when Trump does something they don't like, this is their go-to move now. Well, we're going to impeach you. But unless you got two-thirds of the Senate, it doesn't mean anything. By the way, impeachment should mean something. Impeachment should mean something more than the majority party in the House does not approve of the president's actions, because that happens all the time in politics. Divided government is very common. It's been very common in the past, and there's a very good chance it's going to continue in the future. So you can't turn impeachment into just a button that you press every time the president does something you don't like. But that's where we are, Greg. Uh, well, before Pelosi actually gave the green light to uh, impeachment over the Ukraine issues, you know, there were several votes because an individual member can force a vote. They just never passed. And so there were votes on uh, whether to impeach Trump over his mean tweets towards the, the squad, uh, especially when he uh, said they should go back to their own countries and so forth. So uh, there's been a lot of flimsy reasons to hold impeachment votes. The questions now is whether Nancy Pelosi's uh, willing to ever go down this road again over the next year, especially as we get closer and closer to an election. She's got two competing interests. The first is you're spending a lot of time on something that doesn't really change anything. Um, it may help the odd, the, the uh, effort to defeat Trump at the ballot box in 2020. I don't really think it does. It may be kind of a marginal effect. I think if you do it over and over again, it does kind of add to this sense of, oh, my goodness, these guys are ridiculous. These guys are obsessed with opposing the president. They won't work with them. They're stubborn, et cetera, et cetera. So my guess is they don't move forward on any of this. But once you've done it for one, 
what is the strong argument? You know, are you arguing that this is more or less important than what uh, Trump said on that phone call to the Ukrainian president? Honestly, this is probably much more consequential. My colleague Kevin Williamson wrote a very good piece over the weekend where he said, look, Nancy Pelosi's talking about this being reckless and, and dangerous and all that kind of stuff. Well, look, if you believe the president went, went past his authority and is, did not have the authority to do this, then you should bring up the authorization for the use of military force and you should write a new one. Right. You should say, no, you are not allowed to do these kinds of strikes. Now, the Democrats are currently saying we don't want to ha- we want to bar the president from taking any strikes in Iran. This wasn't a strike in Iran. <laughs> this was a strike on an Iranian in Iraq. But, you know, fine. I do. You know, Kevin makes a very good point and I make a very good point. We probably shouldn't be doing uh, using things passed in 2001 and 2002 to, you know, to authorize military force. But having to do that, Congress has to take responsibility. And they have to say, we are setting the policy where authorizing the military to take strikes in these places and against these targets and not in, in these pla- other places and not against these other targets. And that means Congress is on the hook for the consequences of that policy. And if my, my, my sense is that Congress is going to run screaming from it once they realize, oh, this means you're on the hook for the consequences of this policy as well. We say it all the time. All the Democrats have to do is not be crazy and they can't do it. Uh, we were making fun of them for their... Suleimani was terrible, but Trump shouldn't have done this last week. Now you've got folks not even putting the the disclaimer at the front yeah. uh, because uh, he was assassinated. This is awful. Yeah, he also ended up orchestrating the deaths of a fifth of the American soldiers who were killed in Iraq. So uh, if you want me to shed any tears over Suleimani, you're going to be waiting a very long time. Go for it, Democrats. Turn it into the impeachment of the month club. What are we impeaching the president over this one? There you go. Jim, we'll see you tomorrow. Have fun. See you tomorrow, Greg. If we all survive the weather apocalypse of a light dusting of snow, we'll be here for the uh, Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. In the meantime, go over to getquip.com slash martini. Uh, get your first refill pack of brushes free. That's your first refill free, getquip.com slash martini. Subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. Leave us a nice review and join us on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.